Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This week we find out about efforts to save species from extinction. We've talked before about the deadly disease killing Tasmanian devils, but now we hear some good news that can hopefully help save them for years to come. Plus, the unfortunate incidents in Paris Zoo that led to the death of a rhino, and what's going on with the illegal trade in rhino horns. One of the most dangerous carnivorous marsupials is of course the Tasmanian devil. Lurking in the forest and rainforests of Tasmania is a small creature uh, which is pretty much the largest carnivorous marsupial in existence. It's about the size of a small dog and is quite powerful with its bite. It also has a very entertaining scream, or terrifying, depending if you're its prey. Now, the problem with the Tasmanian devil, as we've talked about several times, is that ever since 1996, a disease has been spreading across these poor creatures and wiping them out. This disease is known as Devil's Facial Tumor Disease, DFTD, and since 1996, it's pretty much wiped out... 40 to 50% of the population of, the, of these Tasmanian devils. And it's moved them from being, well, mostly a, a sort of endangered species to one that's on the verge of extinction. In fact, uh, the problems with this disease have been so widespread that any time any of the creatures have come into contact with it, this DFTD, they die within 12 to 18 months. It's got a 100% fatality rate. Now, DFTD is a facial tumour. It's a cancer that's spread through the contact of a bite. It's a parasitic cancer, and it actually spreads through the biting process. And generally, we say, well, just try and keep the uh, Tasmanian devils separated so they don't bite each other. But the problem is that as part of their mating, the Tasmanian devils actually bite partners' faces quite a lot. Uh, and it's just part of the, their overall just general life. And what that means is that this disease can spread really, really quickly across a populace, and that is exactly what has happened. Now, there's a few pockets of Tasmania that are immune to this sort of disease, and some of them are geographically isolated, and great work has been done by conservationists to isolate particular areas so the disease doesn't spread there. But otherwise, it's spread far and wide across all of Tasmania. And aside from a small population that have found to be immune to the disease itself, and scientists have worked very, very hard to try and breed these to build up immunity in the rest of the population and save the species. But whilst these conservation efforts are great and are sort of the least we can do, um, the scientists have been searching for a cure to keep these uh, species alive without having to try and conserve them and isolate them and quarantine them. And that really means some type of vaccine or treatment for this facial tumour. And one of the reasons why scientists are trying so hard to save this species is that in Tasmania in particular, Australia has a history of losing some unique and wonderful species, such as the thylacine, the Tasmanian tiger, which went extinct in captivity uh, probably about 100 years ago. So for Australians, protecting some of these indigenous species is incredibly important, given our past not-so-great track record. And over time, researchers have been investigating this, and one of the key institutions in this whole research process has been the University of Tasmania's Menzies Institute, which is focused particularly at the moment, on researching ways to try and boost the immune system and keep these tigers alive. Previous research from research groups such as the ones at University of Sydney 
have found that this particularly infectious facial cancer has been able to spread so far and quickly through the Tasmanian devil population, mostly because of the low diversity in immune genes inside the Tasmanian devil population. Um, so when they sell these, these genes inside the tumours as well as inside the general populace, it meant that it was very easy for it to spread through. In 2010, further research identified that uh, the likely source uh, of this actual tumour is to do with the Schwann cells, which is a part of the peripheral nervous system um, that produces myelin and other proteins. And this is useful for the central, the peripheral nervous system's behaviour, but it's also involved in actually the spreading of these, tu these tumours through the species. And it's actually been very fascinating to study because the species itself over the 20 years of this, this disease spreading have begun to respond evolutionarily to this disease, including speeding up their breeding cycle, only having basically one breeding cycle because they wouldn't live any longer than that, uh, and actually bringing forward that time. So breeding at, at the age of two instead of the age of three because they were dying younger. Generally what would happen is that they breed even as early as the age of one and then die of the tumors shortly afterwards. And this has sort of led to some rapid changes in evolution in the species. So back to the more recent researches that have been announced. So Professor Greg Woods leads a team investigating the devil's facial tumor disease at the Menzies Institute at the University of Tasmania. And working together with the Walter and Eliza Hall Institute, WEHI in Victoria, as well as the Universities of Sydney, Southampton, Southern Denmark and Cambridge, and private groups like CSL, have developed an immunotherapy treatment to actually target specifically these cancer tumors and effectively fight cancer with cancer. And the results have been very, very promising. Now, the most recent research published uh, in the journal Scientific Reports uh, was published with the lead author of Cesar Torvar. And what it shows is that the, a proof of concept that a DFTD vaccine is actually plausible. Given that this particular tumor has a lot to do with the immune cells, and that there's been some in the wild with an immunity to it, suggested that perhaps this was a course of investigation. And by following this up and developing and trialing a vaccine or immunotherapy treatment for DFTD, the scientists have actually had some success. So some previous work has investigated using dead tumor cells to try and make a vaccine based on the other uh, genetic immunity that had been developed. But this current approach with this other immunotherapy treatment actually takes live cancer cells and uses them to eradicate the tumours. And when tested on five Tasmanian devils with the actual tumours, they actually saw that they, they could reduce the actual tumours in size, not only by a significant amount, but eradicate them in several of the examples, which is very, very good news, because it means for the first time we actually have a treatment to treat the disease once it's taken hold. Now, if we were able to combine this actual immunotherapy treatment with improving the vaccination efforts already undertaken, then we could not only immunize the population, take out the disease, but also protect those that have then caught the disease. And with a combination of these two things, an effective vaccine and an effective immunotherapy treatment, can go a long way to trying to save the species, both by treating it when it occurs and preventing it from spreading. This is some great work being done by the University of Tasmania, and hopefully, through collaboration with researchers across Australia and the world, we can save the Tasmanian devil.
We all love some of these beautiful animals like rhinos and elephants. Even lions have their own place in our zoos and our hearts and minds. And our zoos are kept as often as places where we can keep species alive and safe from poachers and other dangers that may be awaiting them out in the wild, where poachers and hunters are killing these creatures specifically for their organs such as their horns or their tusks to sell on the black market. And zoos have been doing a great job as well as other reserves uh, to try and keep these animals safe and free from harm. But that wasn't enough to save a poor rhino, a white rhino, in a French zoo at Thorey, which is west of Paris. On the 7th of March, thieves broke in and sawed off in a very, very violent act the horn of a four-year-old white rhinoceros, one of the most endangered types of rhinoceros. This rhino had been growing up in the safety of the zoo, free, so it thought, from the harms of poachers and others that would seek to do it harm only for those very poachers to break into the very zoo itself to take its horn. And the act of sawing off the horn actually also led to severe damage to the rhino and ultimately, sadly, its death. And it's pretty much the most brazen attack of poaching theft in the world. They fled before they could remove the animal's second horn because the police disturbed their uh, horn theft in process. And they broke their way in. Um, into the grill of the zoo and through locked doors and they actually made their way to where three white rhinos were. And they only managed to take the horn of one. So thankfully police were able to stop them in time because otherwise it would have been a pretty devastating attack. This is all happening in the context of a larger explosion in the price of goods for ivory and rhino horn in particular. Each year, thousands of these animals are killed, slaughtered for their horns or their ivory. And it's quite surprising to think about this, but uh, it really spiked from a, from a low numbers in the early 2000s, around 17 a year killed for their, for their horn or ivory tusks. Um, it exploded out into 2015 and 16, almost 1,200 rhinos killed for their horns, which is a huge increase in numbers. And it's putting a species that was already on the brink basically almost at extinction. And our zoos were our safe havens. And once the animals are a threat even in the zoo, that really sparks a huge challenge. And what's basically happening is that endangered animals from major ports, including Kenya and obviously South Africa, ports like Maputo, are uh, being flown out via air from Johannesburg, are generally getting imported straight to uh, either Laos or Vietnam and then making their way into China uh, through the black market of animals. And the reason why that's happening is that, for example, for one kilo of ivory in Africa, the price is about $150 per kilo, but in Beijing can retail for about 2000 And for rhino horns, uh, a pair of rhino horns is about $167 a kilo, and then in China it will go for $66,000 a kilo, which is just an incredible markup. So you can see why. Uh, the, there's a, such a huge driver. So it's impacting elephants, tigers, rhinos, all animals facing extinction, and even moves to try and ban the trade or stop the trade with rewards for anyone involved, for information about anyone involved. The smuggling efforts and poaching continues. Now the reason for this is there's a claimed benefit of these rare animals' body parts, the horns of a rhino, for example, or elephants' tusks, or 
tiger's claws or bodies or pelts. And they're all actually all connected back a lot of the time to some kind of miracle cure, which is generally one of the major drivers in the marketplace. Others obviously include the rarity, the luxury item fact, or for strange jewelry or furniture or so on. And all of these have led to this, this, this crazy demand for it, just sort of going all out of proportion. And it makes it very difficult for governments to try and enforce what is already an illegal trade to stop it even more so. So now, unfortunately, at some zoos in Europe, Europol uh, is obviously the European Police Collective is meeting with and advising all European zoos uh, to take severe precautions to try and prevent uh, these poachers getting into the zoos now that the zoos themselves are no longer safe. And for example, one zoo in Belgium uh, has taken to a preventative trimming of the rhino's horn, some of their own white rhino's horns, to prevent any demand for poachers coming to take it and thus damaging the animal. Now since the horn itself is mostly made up of keratin like your fingernails, it can be safely trimmed provided that the rhino is is anesthetized correctly. But this is obviously a specialist medical operation is done mostly to try and minimize any harm that might come and sort of remove it from being a juicy target, so to speak, for poachers. And this is already, this is just a temporary message to trim it a little bit to safely without hurting the animal, um, which is something that can happen in the wild anyway. So it's not sort of introducing an unnecessary thing onto the creature. But Make, helps reduce the risk and with some, combined with some security risk can help keep the animals safe but this is by no means a good solution. International policing organizations are trying to improve customs and border security measures to tackle this um, but the, the challenge is always that the smugglers and the poachers tend to be one step ahead so it requires vigilant police work and border protection work. It also need to prevent other markets from starting up such as penguins and flamingos which have started to see an increase in the amount of trade for them and their parts on the black market. So just as we try and save one species from extinction, we even need to be careful for those that are in zoos or, or conservation ranges to make sure that they stay safe and free from the effects of project. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. Immunotherapy treatments to help save Tasmanian tigers, as well as efforts to try and save rhinos, even though they're in captivity, from poachers. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.